the message has to be love. I think that's kind of come through today. And and if you do ask yourself what you're doing or whatever the grind is for you, that if it's worth it, that you could just look in your child's face and realize that, you know, you you would literally fight a lion to save your child's life. This is the Single Mom Cast. I'm Mel Hyatt, and today we have with us Coach Tony Brady. Tony, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We are really excited. We're going to just pick your brain. You've been coaching for 18 years. Correct. The true sport of America is what I hear. Right. Baseball. Right. There's only one (laughs) America's pastime. And it's baseball. But it does not matter what sport your child plays, or maybe they don't even play one now. Um, but Tony is going to just talk to us about the value of winning and losing and parenting little hearts and minds and souls all the way through it. So this is going to be really great. Tony, what would you like our single moms to know about you before we get started? I'm a, I'm a homeschool dad. I've got three sons, age 25, Ethan, age 23, Elijah, age 21, Aiden. I've been married for 27 years. My wife, Bobby, is an absolute rock in this whole deal. So without her, everything falls apart. So she's been an amazing mom and uh, journeyed through us, uh, journeyed with us through all of the Little League and high school and college years playing baseball. Awesome. Okay. Well, before we get into how all of this impacts us and our children and us as parents, tell me a little bit about your experience as a coach. What is your approach to coaching and getting the most out of your athletes? So probably 15 years ago, I was on my way to just another parent meeting, and I was addressing our whole organization, our homeschool baseball organization, and I was just lost on my way, thinking these parents and and these kids do not need to hear another speech about give 100%, uh, do your best, everything will work out, let's all pull on the same rope. And literally halfway to my drive to the meeting, the Lord just started downloading this system or a filter that I wrote down immediately and I've used ever since. And I base every single thing, and including that meeting that night, I told the parents, this is brand new and fresh. And it's a model of truth, fear, and love. And I've just expanded on that just every single time. And then I've tried to actually break the model, and it never breaks. (laughs) So it just starts with the truth. And then uh, once we've established the truth with a player and parents, then, you know, we we address fears. And then we get to fall in love. And especially for baseball, if you don't love it or something about it, you're not going to do very well. You're going to fail. I've applied this in my own life as well, just outside of baseball, and the model has not broken yet. So that's the model that I use for coaching and mentoring young people and even ministering to parents as well. I really appreciate that as a coach, you 
still lean into the Lord for direction because we kind of get to a place where we feel like we're experts in places. And you had told me a story before. You might not want to retell the story because I think we both got a little emotional, but you had told me a story before about the Lord intervened again in a moment when you were doing some lessons with some kids and he taught you something. Would you tell me about that? I was actually uh, giving a lesson to a young boy who will remain nameless, but uh, the Lord was showing me what my purpose was in giving lessons. And generally the way the lessons work is you try to get the best and the brightest, and then you carve out all of the others so you can build your reputation on all of their talent. And then you get to add them to your resume, and everybody sees that they're doing really well, and you say, that's my student. Well, the Lord showed me as I was soft tossing to this boy that you are going to be a father to the fatherless. So I'm throwing baseballs to this boy and I start crying and he didn't know, he doesn't know what's going on and his mom doesn't know what's going on and she's a single mom and I just start crying and I just tell him I'm so proud of him and I just tell him I love him so much and that he's doing so good and then we just after about five minutes of wiping and drying, we, we finished our lesson. But that was uh, that has been my, my student, for the most part. My students are yeah. in need of a father's heart. Well, I am so thankful that you were tender enough to hear the Lord's voice in that. Um, as a mom of two boys, thank you. <laughs> I think all of us single moms are praying for safe men like you to see that in our little boys. So I really I appreciate that. And I hope you'll forgive me for making you cry again telling that story. It, it may not be the last time. <laughs> you know, um, I have some mom guilt, Tony, that I try to stuff down, but sometimes it still comes up. Um, I My youngest son, who has always been just naturally athletic and has always thrown balls at breakable things since he could. Um, I just didn't have the margin in my life as a single mom or even really uh, the finances to allow him to play sports um, until he was 10 years old. And he fell madly in love. (laughs) And, you know, it's just been this moment where I think, oh, my goodness, are we really doing this? But I'm seeing these character traits and these things come out in him from winning and losing and being a part of a team. And so I wanted to ask you from your perspective of raising three boys and being a coach for 18 years, that what are some of the benefits of playing a sport other than learning the sport itself? Well, it sounds like you're well on your way to figuring that out. Yeah, but I would rather you just tell me. (laughs) It's amazing. I wish a lot of our parents would come to that uh, conclusion a little bit earlier. Um, And and I try to minister to my my players almost on a daily basis about what there is to learn through their sport. And I'm I'm just referring to baseball because that's the, the sport I coach, but it applies to all sports. And there's so much leadership. Like the playbook is literally right in front of them for them to learn about life every day. Mm -hmm. I think one of the greatest lessons is you learn that you're not number one. Yeah. You might be on Tuesday, but on Thursday you're not. Yeah. And you have to learn to adjust to those roller coaster moments when, you know, the day that you go and for baseball, softball example, you go four for four and everybody loves you and thinks that you're amazing. Well, the next day you strike out four times and have eight errors and, 
And it's like you've never played the sport. It's very humbling. But if you don't learn in those opportunities that the sport is granting you like a gift, Mm. how to overcome. Um, Another thing is just how to, it's not going to be a game or a life without fear. It's about overcoming fear. And sports is just a little bitty picture of what that fear looks like. We don't go to war at a young age anymore, like in biblical times. We don't put spears in our kids' hands and they go out and defend the city, but we have sports Mm. and they're very afraid and they will probably never play their sport without a level of fear. So it's not about playing without fear. It's about overcoming those fears, which is so valuable for the rest of your life. I mean, as you know, there's just fear about a lot of stuff, jobs, college, passing tests, relationships, uh, that, that your sport can teach you and mature you in a way that if you don't have video games, don't fill that void. Video games are false courage. It's a false sense of success. It's a false sense of overcoming because you can shut that off and it disappears. Your sport is just, it's there in front of you. You have to finish your game. You have to have your at-bat. You have to play the field and over and over and over again. And the longer you play, it never goes away. It only intensifies. So for even little kids, how to adjust and adapt, and it's a great opportunity for them to learn how to encourage, how to be encouraged, how to love and how to be loved and how to overcome. I I think it's fabulous. And my experience with it was as he was learning these things, I was learning them all over again. Um, I made the mistake, I'm sure you've never made this mistake, of thinking the way that I received um, or things that like spurred me on. I just, like if you tell me, Tony, that I can't do it, I'm then going to do it. That was not my second born. And I remember this moment that we had um, in the batting cage. And I was just, I was being a great mom. I was soft tossing to him. And he was sort of getting an attitude and disappointed in himself. And I'm just going to say this because I know he's forgiven me and the Lord has too. I thought, I'm just going to encourage him. It was not encouraging. I said, maybe baseball isn't the sport for you. I know. I literally am now like, what? Because I would have been like, oh, really? Let me show you. And I saw everything right in that moment crumble. And and we, about a week later, he brought it back up and said, he's this kid. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to remember that statement you said to me forever, Mom. And not in a way that I would have, of like, every time I strike out, I'm going to remember that you said that. He goes, that really, really hurt my feelings. And we had to have this conversation where I was like, hey, dude, that worked for me. It probably would have worked for your big brother. I learned that day something about you. Yeah. And myself. (laughs) So I had to ask for forgiveness. And I still do, you know. Um, He's not the kid that wants me. I don't know that any kid is screaming at him from the sidelines. Um, He definitely absolutely is not. He's hard enough on himself. Um, So I'm wondering, you've, I know that as you've coached, you've probably spent just as much time dealing with parents (laughs) as you have these kids. So what are some common traps that parents fall into since I just confessed mine um, when parenting an athlete? Help us, Tony. (laughs) This will be a week-long series. Okay. This will be day one. 
there there are so many and and like you said each each child is different. So what worked on your first child in sports is now suddenly not working on your second or your third or a different sport. Yeah. So you have to constantly change. And so there's not a pattern, um, ABC. But w- one of the common themes is that you start to build your child's identity in that sport. And your child becomes your asset. And instead of your child or instead of a human being, you walk into the ballpark and your child is special and really talented and it makes you feel better. Your team can't win that day without their their effort. That makes you feel good. That makes you mm. feel good. There, you feel better about yourself. Yeah. That's mine. That's my asset. He's very important. I had a child like that where his team mobbed him and said, we can't win today without you. I had to avoid those things only by going through them myself. Yeah. If your child is not as good, you need to let everybody around you know that you're very concerned about it and you're on it right now with anger and yelling and correction. Mm. Your son or your daughter is failing and, you know, we're concerned about it. So don't worry. We're, we're fixing it right now. We see it and we're on it. Don't worry about us. You know, we know they're terrible, but we're really not terrible. We're we're fixing it. Mm. And there's just so much importance placed on them as an asset, even in, in little league. I mean, this was stuff that they were telling my son when he was nine years old and he was pitching his first game that he was amazing and they could never lose if he pitched. <laughs> Not great. And, you know, that that's something that even now in the high school ranks – parents feel intensely when they're in the stands is the value of where their son is in the rotation. It affects them deeply. And that, that's a wrong connection in my, in my experience. And, and as a parent, having gone through that myself and having to learn and adjust with all three kids in different situations, I had to learn that the hard way. And now flipping the script and, and coaching kids that are not my kids uh, being invested in them and kind of seeing how that plays out with them and their parents. It's, it's tough. And I think they transfer that to their kids, that how you do out there in the dirt and grass really is impacting our lives and your life. It's like this is the beginning of your, the end almost. Yeah. And they could be a freshman or a sophomore. They don't even know where the locker room is, and they feel this intense pressure to be number one. And I, I think parents fall into that, and and I can honestly say that it's probably gotten worse each year uh, with social media and posts and my son's four for four, my son made all-star, my son MVP, my son got offers, you know, blessed to receive another offer and your child doesn't have any offers. So it, it can be a reflection on the parents in a negative way. If they let it, if they let that stuff creep in, it can overwhelm them. And What's something practical? Let's say we're all recognizing the right now in this moment and we want to adjust and make sure that doesn't happen. Because I can see why it naturally happens. They they are ours, right? Like we created that right. thing. 
Um, and if he does really well, that's because of me. If he doesn't, that's somebody else's fault. <laughs> the coach's fault. <laughs> that, exa- that's exactly right. Um, but what, what's a practical thing that you would tell a parent if they say, hey, that is me. I'm struggling with that. And I don't really know what to do with it. Yeah, I would tell them that it, it doesn't help at all. So what we see, especially in the high school ranks, is there's a kind of a separation between the dugout and the stands. And so we get the kid in the dugout. We get the player in the dugout. And what most parents don't see is the stuff that we're dealing with emotionally. So the kid does strike out. The parent thinks that's poor coaching. Well, what good coaching does is we have the kid in the dugout and he's broken and we try to put him back together. They don't see that. They just saw the strikeout and say those coaches are terrible, but we are mending them emotionally. Mm -hmm. Your mom or your dad in the stands expressing disappointment more or less continually for three hours does not help them. They are in, they feel down enough letting their teammates down, letting themselves down and, and watching their dads throw their hands up in the stands or their moms leaving the game or watching their dad walk out after a strikeout does not help in any way, shape, or form. It, it never has. I've never seen it help. So I would tell the parents that doesn't help. We have to do a 180-degree turn immediately. If we all want the same thing, if we all sat down at a parent meeting with the coach, player, and the parent, we said, what do you want? We want the best for him. Well, then we have to do what's best for him. And that means change. We talked about coaches having to change per player. I, I believe that. I have 28 players. I, I have to coach each one of them different. Uh, your, they might be your only child playing, but you have to change that tactic in order to help. So the game doesn't change. The yeah. game never changes for your child. Mm-hmm. There's never an adjustment up or down for your child. Never. So we have to change. We have to change the way we are building that young athlete into, at the end of the day, when we put our head on the pillow, what we really want them to be, joyful, yeah, happy, fun. energetic. You and know? it's called a game it's that a, you play. You play baseball. <laughs> yes, I know. We miss that. I, yep. I've, I get that too. And, you know, I started doing something just really practical, um, I just try to lean into this, how's that working for you? I'm asking myself that, and I'll say, not well, Mel. And so then me and myself have a little meeting, and now after every game or scrimmage or anything that he thinks is too important and they're not at this level, um, I once we get in the car, every single time, whether it's a great game or not a great game, I just ask, are you hungry? And he knows now, so he had a, a pretty not so great game a couple weeks ago and we were walking to the car and he said yes neither of us were talking and I go yes what and he goes yes I'm hungry <laughs> so I thought I did it yeah you did yeah yeah because I know and I know that's not just about him about all of us that the voice in his head is louder than all of the others yep. and he loves it and nobody likes to suck in front of a crowd or even not in front of a crowd. So I have nothing else to say other than, are you hungry? And you know what happens when we're eating? He starts talking about yeah. it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I had to learn this lesson the hard way. And there's a small town about 30 minutes outside of the city. And I had two of my boys, my older boys, playing on the same team. <clears throat> and there were some lessons that I was trying to impart to them. And they were captive in the backseat. They were about 9 and 10 years old. 
And as I drove them by myself, my wife drove another car. I just, I ripped into them about everything, character, fielding, hitting, how to address your teammates, how to address the other team. I mean, I just let them have it. And it was hard. And when we pulled in the garage after 30 minutes of my berating them, they no longer wanted to play the sport Mm -hmm. that we all loved. And I changed immediately after that because what I wanted was to improve their behavior. And what I did instead is I, I stole all the joy out of it. And the Lord, I mean, he worked a miracle on me to just say, Hey, we're not doing that anymore. This is not good for anybody. And my boys to this day will remember the, the ride home. I mean, it's, yeah, unfortunately it's a monument. Well, and I've had that moment too. So I'm going to say this to both of us. We had a counselor in here a couple of weeks ago and she talked about after three to five minutes of lecturing that they're not listening anymore. And do you know how much time I've wasted, Tony? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, well, then what would be the best thing a parent could do to encourage their athlete if it's not a 30-minute lecture? Because that feels good. Right. I know. (laughs) That... if you're honest, is that about you? Oh, it's, absolutely. Because I know me. everything. Yeah. And yeah, it makes me feel better that I said all the things. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, uh, that was all about me and not about them. Because I, I was aware of all their mistakes. And then it was my job to make sure that they felt the weight of those mistakes on the way home. How much fun is that? Yeah. I don't think my kids wanted to ride home from a game with me for like four more years. Yeah. So, and, <laughs> and I don't blame them. Now we can laugh at it that they're older. But I still, even when we bring it up, I apologize for it because it was so egregious. And, and I was a loving, kind, Christian dad. And I was out of control on that car ride hmm. in ruining my kids' mindset. The best, the very best thing that you can do is you just tell them you love them. Because honestly, you're watching a kid who loves their sport and a sport that you love in a kid that you absolutely love. So if you say love three times in that sentence, that's all you have to say after the game is I love you. Yeah. And if it was a hard game, and even if it was a game that they didn't play, watching your son on the bench in his matching uniform, cheering his teammates on and doing his role for that day, watching him celebrate somebody's home run or winning double watching them explode out of the dugout and dogpile and high-five and, and call each other nicknames and have fun. I love watching you do that. I loved watching you today hmm. enjoy your team. And so it doesn't have to be a star player saying, I, I love you yeah. for being a star. I love watching you love what you love, and we love it together. Yeah. So, my gosh, the only thing I can do, really, do, the only option I have is put my arm around my son. I don't have a daughter, but I would if it was my daughter. It would probably be worse. It's <laughs> gracious. I'd probably give You'd her money. You'd be crying so much oh, more. Oh, gosh, I know. <laughs> but just tell him, you know, I love you. And, I, and I'm glad we got to share this moment today. Yeah. The moment doesn't describe it as being good or bad. You can't just celebrate the victories, and then when there's a defeat— you don't have joy. 
and they know it. So the message to them is, we only get to celebrate love when I win. Well, that's negative. So uh, of all the losses that I've experienced in 18 years, and there's been tons of them, watching my sons on the mound, giving up winning runs, past balls, I just the, the gut-wrenching defeats are, I love you just the same. Yeah. And if you opened my heart up and you saw what was written on it, written on the inside, that's hidden, that is a strong man. I don't want to show because that's a sign of weakness. If my kids ripped my heart open and read what was inside, it would say, I love you. So it's really necessary for me to express that out loud because it's hidden in my heart anyway. Mm-hmm. And once you kind of bridge that gap and you just say, here it goes, I love you. And my middle son went on and played in college, and I watched all of his games, and he started and played in every single game, and he had a really nice, fruitful career in college as a baseball player, and I loved every minute of it. I just truly loved watching him play baseball, and so as every parent can do that for their kid. Yeah. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It's so practical. And when I they're hungry, it. it's going to cost you a little something. <laughs> It'll cost you a little more. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. they're just like a cheap eat, you know, and you can just swing through McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate that that was so practical because anybody can do that. Yeah. Um, I think, tell me if you agree with this too. I would encourage our single moms to make sure all, all parents, but especially single moms, I think it's so important for them to make sure that their son is being coached by the right person, if that's possible. Let's say it's not just a school sport, but it's a rec or a travel that you've selected. I have sort of leaned into this. If I wouldn't want my son to grow up and be like you, you are not influencing him. That's a great filter. And and we prayed about it, and he knew that I felt that way. He sort of felt that way, too, because he had a really negative very incredibly negative experience of a coach who was fighting with parents on the other team. We're not doing this. And I'm so thankful. And you know, his current coach, Kyler, who we respect and love. And I'm so thankful for him because I want to surround my boys with men that show them what it looks like to have integrity and character and to be kind. Yes. You know, all of these things we say don't go away when you step onto a field or a court or what else is there? Just fields and courts, I think, right. <laughs> or a table. Maybe they play right. like ping pong or something. We, That's awesome. Right. <laughs> and I just think for I want to just give our moms permission to protect that little boy. Right. As long as he's in your home to choose who's in their life, even in that situation. Yeah, there is a, truthfully, there's a spirit of adoption that takes place a little bit when you turn your child over to a coach and they're spending eight, 10 hours a week, 12, 20 hours a week, you are surrendering some of your parental rights to that person. But I do believe that you have a right to make sure that that behavior lines up with what you, you want and not in a micromanaging sort of way, but what you were talking about, just the, the character that we're looking for. Um, I, I don't use profanity and I've never been kicked out of a game and I don't ever want to, and it's not my plan to lose my temper or show anger or, um, explode in a negative way. And I think a parent has a right to address those situations when, when a coach is out of control 
and and everybody knows it. But what happens sadly is there's justification for it. Well, that was an egregious call or but that's just lack of self-control. The coaches are responsible for showing the ultimate self-control so they can pass that gift on to their players. So they can't ask for a player to have self-control if they, they have none. So I think a parent has a right to say, hey, listen, I want to address a couple of things with you. I've noticed that you're very loud and, and somewhat verbally abusive uh, in the huddle. And, um, you know, where I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. Can you explain, you know, why you're choosing to do that? There's still a lot of old school coaches around and I hear them. And, and in my 18 years, I've come across them, coached with them and against them that they feel like, you know, dragging a kid through the weed patch is the best way to get the ultimate performance out of them because their coach in Durant, Oklahoma, or wherever they, that's what he did. Yeah. And it's, that just it doesn't work. So I want my players to run through a wall for me and not to the wall. And abusive coaching gets them to the wall, but loving coaching gets them through the wall. They'll run through a wall for a coach that loves them, communicates love to them, and and that's that's what I want. I believe it. Yeah. You can so. see it, you know, you can feel you can feel the energy from the team in the stands or and you I've seen these moments where it's either a parent or a coach that just loses it and it trickles over and it's so crazy the atmosphere that can be controlled by attitude. Yeah. Man, you you had um, you had mentioned something about uh, promoting healthy participation. Talk to me about that of how an athlete can do. I don't even know what this means, so I'm just going to let you do your thing. Well, <laughs> I think I know, but right. Well, you know that the the parents have a responsibility to kind of you know guide, basically keep the athlete out of the ditches. <clears throat> the athlete is is responsible as well. And they, they have to take ownership of what they're doing. They have to be responsible for what's required of them. And unfortunately, a lot of what happens now is uh, either they've elevated themselves athletically or and they feel like they're above some things. Those are my favorite players. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know what to do. There. I, I don't think they're ever going away. But there, there's some arrogance there that needs to be talked about and, and uh, you know, the lack of a team spirit. But, you know, I, I would want every player to grasp the full meaning of what they're doing because I believe that uh, just for me coaching young men in baseball, when I make the statement to them that I believe this sport can make you a better son, mm. a better brother, a better employee, a better husband. None of them understand that yet, but what they're learning and the stuff that's getting sanded off of them through this process will truly make them a better husband. Truly, if you embrace this and, and take your responsibilities and what is available to you, you will in 5, 10, 15, you will be a much better husband. There's so much for them to grasp through this. In, in a high school program, there's a lot of field work that needs to be done, and you, you take the trash out, and you lift heavy, muddy things, and you get them off the field, and you remove moisture, and everything is dirty, and everything is wet, and everything there's work that needs to be done. It needs to be done every game, and 
if you don't embrace this and then you start pointing fingers and go, well, I did that yesterday and -and so-and-so's not doing it and I did more and he did less and then chaos. That athlete needs to just say, I'm just going to, I'm going to do what's asked of me every day. It doesn't matter whether I did it yesterday. I'm going to do it. But the best thing that they can do when it's all said and done, like the parent can embrace the child and say, I love you. That is so important for that child to say that back to their mom or dad or mom and dad or what, who's ever there. Because as you well know, the transportation that goes into it, the effort, the care, the thought, the energy, both mental, emotionally, physically, it deserves from every player an I love you, mom. I love you, dad. I love you, mom and dad. Or, and there's a couple of cases where we have grandparents that are supervising and those people who are attending that need to be told essentially every game that they are loved and appreciated for their efforts. Mm. And uh, that's, <clears throat> I love the looks on young men's face when you tell them that. And, and a, a couple of years ago, I required it and I gave them one week to fulfill that. And I had to hear back. And uh, one year I sent a sheet home and it had to be signed by their parent. <laughs> Did your son tell you that he loved you? And I got, I got him back with some explanations too. Like, oh, it was amazing. It's the first time he's ever told me he loved me. It was, I was moved to tears, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't do it this year, but I think it may, it may come back Yeah, because it, it is so important to be appreciated. And I think, you know, and I think people that are listening that are doing this, whether it's gym, I know gymnastics is hard. Mm-hmm. It's four or five hours a day. Man, how great would it be to have your kid jump in the minivan and go, I love you, mom. Thanks for sitting out in the parking lot for four hours waiting on me so I can enjoy this. I think it's key, absolute key. And it shows humility, too. Mm-hmm. And what young person nowadays doesn't need to have a little bit of humility? It's good for us. Yeah. So it's good for me. Yeah, I agree. Me, too. I'm super humble, but <laughs> kidding. No. We all, yeah, and I, and them hearing that from you, because me saying it to him, hey, you should appreciate me, and but when you say it, they remember that. And I was going to ask you when you were talking about, you know, even the mom sitting in the parking lot and all of the things. um, I don't think anyone ever told me that there's no such thing as a baseball season; that it's just baseball all the time. Um, I wanted to ask you, Tony, is this worth it? Thankfully, my three boys still live in close proximity, and we see them all the time. And like I said, they're 25 and 23 and 21, and I still have vivid memories of them being in their car seats and their first games and their first uniforms and their first cleats and their first gloves and their first experiences. And when I look at them a lot, it's easy for me to see them as a seven-year-old and nine-year-old and 11-year-old little leaguer. And I, I just, everything that we did, every rainstorm, every lightning delay, every cold front that blew through, being in the presence and with my children was, was worth everything. So, (laughs) 
sorry. <laughs> you're not sorry. You're not sorry. I didn't I'm know that was going to hit me. I'm thankful that you're human, well, you know? Uh, yeah. I'm not. We could have any coach come in here and tell us some things, but I really appreciate you leading with your heart and your head and all of the things. I don't think you wanted to hear me 18 years ago. <laughs> it took a lot of, a lot of hard lessons I don't lessons really know that I, and I would want to hear myself or anyone else 18 years ago. Like we were just all trying our best and getting better. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything else you would like to say to our single moms listening? You know, everything just in a nutshell that, that the message has to be love. I think that's kind of come through today and, and if you do ask yourself what you're doing or whatever the grind is for you, that if it's worth it, that you could just look in your child's face and realize that, you know, you, you would literally fight a lion to save your child's life on a mountain trail. You would literally step in front and physically fight that to protect your child. So... This is all just, this is all worth it. Whatever you're doing, whatever your child has decided is their endeavor, their sport, their whatever they're competing in, that once you see that they're in with both feet, that you you give everything that you have, everything that you have uh, to make it enjoyable, loving, build memories. And, and as an old man now, I'm 58 years old, I look back and it was worth it. I don't count any loss. I don't count any financial loss. I don't count the cost of the bat or the glove. At the time, it felt heavy, but now and it is worth it. It was absolutely worth it. And I just encourage the single moms. I know it's tougher. We have a couple of single moms on our team that it is tougher to get to locations and juggle work schedules and make it all happen. But stay connected. Go to every single game that you can, every single event that you can, and let them know how important they are to you. And, you know, no matter what you say to them or what you post on the refrigerator or whatever saying you have there that's trying to motivate them, nothing will motivate them like your presence in their life and you just leading them by your example. And that example, I think we've established, it just has to be an intense love for them. And God created that in your heart. There's nothing like a mother's love. My gosh, my wife is incredible. And uh, there is nothing, nothing more powerful than a mother's love for her child. So just keep going. Have your heart filled with joy in the process. Let your child know that your heart is filled with joy while you're there with them. So, Tony, you started this podcast talking about truth, that we have to start with truth. And so I wanted to close with some truth um, from scripture. And it's also maybe, I don't think this is a brag. I just have to share that when I get through all of this, when I'm your age someday and 30 years, I'm kidding. I'm not that much, <laughs> you're not that much older than me. Um, I will look back and I think the biggest moment that I will remember happened last week and it wasn't when my son hit a home run, which he did not, or any of those great things. It was when he asked me if I would write something in his glove, which I am convinced at this moment that he cares for that glove more than me 
No one's allowed to touch it. He takes very good care of it. And I said, sure, what am I writing? And he said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I Googled um, great Bible verses for athletes. And I have told him all his life that when I was pregnant with him, the Lord gave me Joshua 1.9. And he goes, my Bible verse was on that list. So I want to write it in my glove so that when I'm out there, first I remember what this is all about, but also I remember what is true. I tried so hard not to get emotional because he's 14, right? And I can't, he's just like, oh, mom. Right. But we sat there and I wrote on this precious glove of his, Joshua 1.9, and I want to close by reading this to our listeners because whether it is for you or your children, you have to remember the truth. And what the truth says in Joshua is to be strong and courageous, to not be afraid, to not be discouraged, for God will be with you wherever you go. And this is a promise for you moms and your children.